Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Elixir Mix. This week on our panel, we have Sasha Wolf. Hello, everybody. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And this week, we have a special guest, and that's Ivan Rublev. Did I get anywhere close to saying your name right? Yes, that's right. Hello, everybody. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself real quick? Let people know who you are and why you're famous? Yeah, sure. Thanks a lot for kind words. So, uh, hi, I'm Ivan. I'm originally from Russia, but uh, for three years, uh, we, with my family, live in Hamburg, Germany. So, I'm software backend Elixir engineer, uh, working in uh, business domains, uh, real estate, and currently in B2B business. Yeah, so that's cool. about me. I remember working my tail off to become a senior developer. I read every book I could get my hands on. I went to any conference I could and watched the videos about the things that I thought I needed to learn. And eventually, I got that senior developer job. And then I realized that the rest of my career looked just like where I was now. I mean, where was the rush I got from learning? What was I supposed to do to keep growing? And then I found it. I got the chance to mentor some developers. I started a podcast and helped many more developers. I did screencasts and helped even more developers. I kind of became a dev hero. And now I want to help you become one too. And if you're looking forward to something more than doing the same thing at a different job three years from now, then join the Dev Heroes Accelerator. I'll walk you through the process of building and growing a following and finding people that you can uniquely help as you build the next stage of your career. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. And yeah, we I was looking at this uh, Domo library that you wrote. I have to admit, I'm I'm still a little green when it comes to some of this stuff, so I didn't follow all of it. But do you want to give us kind of the 10,000-foot view on what Domo is and what it does? Yeah, sure. That started like about a year ago, and I usually had this impression that I miss something within Elixir land when I look at the structure and especially type definitions of the structure. Of course, there is a dialyzer tool that helps us to uh, check validity of the source code program. Same time, it doesn't work at runtime, and Sialyzer is quite heavy tool, to be honest. So, and I was missing uh, these things that, okay, uh, Elixir is dynamically type language, uh, and on the other hand, uh, this type definition, maybe I can do something about that. And then pandemic started, and I got some free time, and I just kick it off uh, so made these libraries that basically validates uh, the structure against the type definition and so uh, return meaningful errors about the fields okay here you define that this field should be a string and you have some number in this field in the structure so this aims to keep uh, the state valid because many uh, software errors comes from invalid states in uh, the memory and uh, structures looks like a good good place for keeping the state. So that was my thought. Okay, let's make a tool that validates the state within the structure. Was this prompted by like a concrete like use case you had, like for example, at work, you you had some issues, or was this just like an just an academic idea at the beginning, and you were curious to to, to try some things out? Well, yeah, uh, it was mostly inspired by book uh, The Main Driven Design by Eric Evans. So, and it more it was more like in academic um, inspiration, let's say, and. Yeah, so I've got uh, this feeling that there are lots of uh, trials and errors around. So we know that there are other libraries like Norm that aim in the validation and other attempts to make, uh, to introduce types in Elixir to get these benefits of uh, checking. And sometimes nothing what I meant before suit me well. And because of that, I decided, okay, maybe I should give it a try and do some not full-fledged type system or something because Elixir is not such kind of thing, but a very little, tiny, specific library that does only uh, validation of the structures and basically keeping invariance. Yeah. So answering your question directly, no, it wasn't inspired by any uh, concrete task at, at the office. So it was more like general ideas that 
I would like to have such a thing. And uh, are you now using it in like uh, any production scenarios? I mean, you said it comes from an academic background, sure, but uh, do you know that like anybody is using it in production? Yeah, well, sure. So I I chat it uh, with uh, current uh, real projects that we have, and it uh, works well. So, and it's uh, kind of at uh, early stage. So. Of course, it's in development for about a year, but uh, only a couple of days ago, I can say, okay, that uh, final uh, things were fixed and now it can be widely adopted. Okay. When, where would you see like Domo being used most? Like, are there any specific use cases where you say, hey, that's like a pretty good fit for Domo, where I saw personal success in using it? Like when will people reach for Domo compared to something like, for example, Norm, as you mentioned earlier, because um, mm. just to give some context for our listeners, like Norm is this data validation library where you specify schemas like in code, like it doesn't use the type specs, but it's like you can basically use functions and stuff from Norm to say, okay, the data should conform to this schema. And I mean, Domo uses the type specs. So when would you say it's like, is this is a scenario where somebody would like to use Domo any specific Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. That's an amazing question. Thanks a lot. So uh, there is another component in Domo. It's uh, that I haven't mentioned before. So it it's not only uh, validating the data against the type definition type spec, but it also has these precondition uh, functions attached to the type. So meaning that, for example, if you have type definition for a field of your structure, you can also add a precondition function to this type that DOMO library would call. And uh, if this function returns OK, then it would consider that the value is not only of that type, but it's also of, a, for example, right format that you expect. So and saying that, I can point out to the concrete scenario so, for example, if uh, you know that uh, you have uh, identifier in your system for your order, for example, let's say you build e-commerce system, right? Some websites, e-commerce website, and so you know that in your system these identifiers have specific format, for example, AA letter in the beginning and some numbers afterwards. You can just uh, define the type. Okay, my ID is uh, of string type and add the precondition function to this. So saying that the value should begin with AA. And then using this type across uh, any structures in your application, you would have these uh, automatically validated uh, whenever the structure is created with uh, a construction function added by DOMO library. And I, the DOMO will guarantee you that uh, you will have valid values for this ID type uh, across uh, your uh, application and uh, that in this regard, the state would be valid. So, yeah, this is one of scenarios and it can go even more, like we can go further. We can define with DOMO library, it's possible to define as a precondition for the struct type. You know, when you write this type T for your structure and you can say, okay, for this type T, the my precondition function will be this one, uh, you name it. And mm, let's say you'd like to have some relation check between fields of this structure, saying that uh, if this is an order structure for e-commerce websites, that you have some allowed amount of the order in terms of money. And uh, you would like uh, to have the sum of uh, all line items in this order to be not higher than this uh, given amount. So this precondition function attached to the uh, type of the structure can validate that and give some meaningful error back that, okay, uh, you should have this <laughs> summary amount less than allowed. And uh, that's another scenario when uh, Domo uh, gives you a consistency of your structure on more higher level, let's say so. So it allows to follow business rules of the system you're implementing. So this is a second scenario. So that said, I guess it could make sense to, to use Domo, for example, at like the edges of my system when I say I have a Phoenix API, for example, getting some JSON in. And now I want to verify that the user actually, like the, the, the information the user gave me conforms 
to a certain to, to my schema to like to the to the to the requests mm -hmm. objects I, I expect and that I then can use that to forward it to the rest of my application being sure that yeah as you said mm -hmm. certain preconditions are met is that right is that like a scenario yeah. where you would say domo is applicable yes it's uh, one of scenarios where domo can uh, can play and it's like uh, equivalent to what can be implemented with norm right so you mm -hmm. can define the schema and validate the json on the let's say boundary of your application and then be sure that uh, the data <laughs> that you operate on is valid and yeah there's definitely one of the possible scenarios uh, on the other hand, uh, the other scenarios, it's when you work with a pure core, having only pure functions and structures in it, and uh, you would like to follow, to make it follow some business rules that should be executed in your system. So, for example, it's uh, from the domain-driven <laughs> domain, <laughs> domain -driven design framework, right? So, when you have set of business rules you can define them with domo precondition functions attached to the type and have this business rule fulfilled everywhere uh, you use these values of this type in structures so uh, for example as i mentioned this uh, before with order right so you can have uh, the order structure in your core and uh, have these uh, values dependency between items of this order and uh, allowed amount. The same uh, invariance, same kind of invariance, maybe for uh, other structures that uh, participate in the business logic uh, of your application, right? And instead of the, okay, this can be compared that you can say, hey, I can write this in any module, write this verification that my structure have a valid number of items and that the sum is not exceeding the allowed amount for this order. And interesting part here is that if you do this with Domo by using this precondition function attached to the type, you can have this validation not only in this structure, but in any other kind of structures using this type. So it goes like automatically in these places and uh, you don't need to uh, think twice about if I forgot any validations or, you know, any parts uh, of checking my uh, structures in regards to business logic of the application. So, and uh, it, it even can go further across the application boundaries. For example, if you have several microservices, uh, that is very common nowadays, uh, you may have hundreds of them. And uh, if, for example, you share these type definition and precondition functions in some uh, model files across these several applications, due to the DOMO library, you can be sure that this would be checked and fulfilled. Uh, this uh, either... Uh, these validations for boundary situation uh, or for business logic uh, in the core. So, so when you say sharing the, the model files, I assume like in the sense of like a private hex package or, or what exactly are you thinking of? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Uh, can be a hex package. Uh, on the other hand, it usually starts like a little. You just have several modules like uh, shared models that uh, you can check out in various repos. So the techniques uh, are various for that. So... Uh, for example, you can have a shared Git repository with this model, and you can add it as uh, sub-modules to other Git okay. repositories, yeah, sure. or you know, just <laughs> check it. But out. basically, you, you use like some kind of mechanism to like get the code into your microservices, be it through a hex package or like through a sub-module. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's but, right. Um, okay, and I was just thinking because like there, there are also solutions such as Protobuf or others I can think of right now, um, which like also follow this idea of having like a model definition which then can be used to generate some code but that's like more agnostic not really specific to 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 elixir yeah it's very interesting yes that's true protobufs are very good to have this intercommunication be validated mm -hmm. same time it's impossible to put function protobuf definition 
So, and Which with, some might argue is a good thing. <laughs> at some scenarios, yes. Uh, on the other hand, with Domo, you can do that and do more precise validation. Like, okay, if that, if these conditions that uh, met, then these values sh- should be as expected. On the other hand, if I have another value in my structure set to this value, then this should be should be another value expected. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine that uh, it can be quite uh, complex interdependencies between uh, fields of even one structure, uh, not saying about uh, some nested structures that uh, usually now can be seen in modern applications. Okay, and to, to get back to something you, you said earlier, uh, so you said that you can reuse like type definitions and preconditions att- attached to the type. So if, I, for example, I like to, to get back to an example, you said like, yeah, I find I have a certain identifier, like an order identifier, I could just specify this type in some module, attach some preconditions to it, and then use it across my, my application and wherever I use Domo, basically, I assume, yeah. then that would basically reuse these preconditions attached to my order identifier type. Is that right? Did I get that right? Yeah, that's right. So that okay. works like that. Okay, but, but that's nice. I guess Domo boils a bit down to like saying to avoid a bit of repetition, right? Because I mean, for example, if you look at um, at emo ecto schemas, like like for, at least mm-hmm. from my experience, you you tend to have the scenario where you say, okay, this is like my schema and these are my fields, but then it, it's also helpful to to have type definition on top so that you then, just for documentation purposes, right, where you say, okay, mm-hmm. this is like with a type of a schema and these are like this field is an integer and this field is a string. And then you also have on the bottom, like maybe some, some ecto change set validations where you say, okay, my user ID needs to start with an A or my order ID needs to start with an A. So, so I guess Domo goes a bit in that direction where you say, okay, I don't want to maintain like multiple definitions of the same information, basically, right? True, true. That's it. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, moreover, Domo has support of Ecto. So if you have okay. this uh, schema defined and you have this uh, type defined into the schema, you can call the change set in the Domo library and the function that's named validate type. And Domo uh, will automatically validate changes in the Ecto change set for you according to the type you define. So uh, this is already uh, supported. And it's quite convenient. Yeah, that's nice. I assume that like to, to actually reuse a type, for example, such as the, the order ID, I have to like use Domo in that place, right? Like, I can't just use any remote type. I mean, uh, that, like how does that work when you say, okay, it's like a string T, then like you probably mm-hmm. have some code written which says, okay, if it's a string, then do this and that check. But if I just say I, I have like this module over there which like doesn't use Domo at all, but it specifies my mm-hmm. type, I don't know, uh, which let's just say like it's a map with like certain certain keys and yeah. the keys need to be of a certain value. Is that like something Domo can can handle then, or how how exactly can can I imagine this to work? Yeah, like where where are the boundaries <laughs> basically? Like where does it break? Okay, so uh, tricky question. So where is break? No, I can say that that's a very good example. And uh, it was a quite long year, pandemic year. So I had the time to resolve this. And it was successfully completed. So how Domo works, if you have remote type with, within some uh, structure or, you know, other modules that's not using Domo at all, library automatically takes this type into uh, validation because uh, Mo has is shipped with compiler. So uh, it when you add library to the project, uh, it uh, has two pass compilation. First pass is by Elixir, and second pass of the compilation is by Domo compiler that just do the job by getting all the type definitions from remote modules and putting them in place where the validation should be performed. So, and uh, moreover, if you change remote type, for example, you compiled your project and uh, you change one of the keys in this map you mentioned in the remote module, I mean, type definition yeah. of this key, and you compile again, the DOMA will notice that 
and to recompile the module where you use this remote map definition. So, so automatically assigns that compile time dependency to, to like the remote model. Yes, it tracks uh, dependency in between types in your application and uh, recompiles appropriately. I assume that this can have a hit on compilation times because, I mean, if you look at what the Alexi core team and the Phoenix core team has been doing in the past few months, they very much try to like reduce this kind of like compile time compilation li compilation links between modules which like yeah, sure. high times so i assume that at least like a trade-off of using domo in that fashion is probably that, that it might impact your compile times right yeah sure value comes at price so definitely it would uh, increase compilation times uh, in synthetic tests it was about maybe 20 percent of uh, increase of compilation time and uh, of course, during the runtime, it's additional uh, CPU cycles that are spent on yes. validation of the <laughs> data of you've course. got. I mean, so. the, that, that's the whole idea, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Uh, same time, I can say that uh, there is a heavy optimization implemented yet uh, for these dependency uh, checks. It just works. I can say that uh, during the compilation time, Domo relies to the pattern matching a lot. And at least for the part when you uh, have this validation at runtime of your values, uh, it's working on already optimized code, optimized by Elixir and Elan compilers. And because of pattern matches that uh, automatically generated by Domo, you can have uh, quite a good performance. Okay. Yeah. If you, you know, when we talk about uh, code generation, that definitely happens here with the Domo library. It's always a question mark, okay, what this library generates uh, and how it works in my application. So you can ask this question at some point in time. And uh, interesting enough that Domo writes the source code of this validation into the build folder. So if you add the type definition to your structure and say use Domo there, then in underscore build folder, you would have a Domo generated code subfolder where you can see the all source code that uh, is used to do these runtime validations. So is, it's... Is yeah. it then, then used for as a compilation source or is it just like for the user's yeah. benefit? Well, it's used as compilation source. At the same time, uh, if you change it, it wouldn't affect anything because it would be overwritten during the okay. next compilation. So you can read it, but uh, you can't uh, affect it much. Uh, this adds uh, this additional confidence about what's going on when you call this function validate type on your structure or constructor function, or if you do of the typing ecto schema okay i guess a question which for some people might have like how readable is this code because that code generation tends to sometimes uh, produce code which is like a bit not so nice on the eyes to say it to, to phrase yeah. it like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah true the, there is a, a formatter run during the uh, generation of this code and uh, it's uh, quite readable and uh, quite simple so uh, of course, the more fields in your structure you have, the longer would be the output and the mm -hmm. source code file. Uh, same time, it's quite straightforward. There are um, two same name functions there that uh, you just can read and say, okay, here is the validation, here is the pattern matching. So it's quite simple. So that means that like Domo generates like an additional module or what, which is then useful for type checking? Or, yeah. Or how? Okay. Okay. What happens when you use Domo? At minimum level, you can just add use Domo into your struct module, right? And uh -huh. uh, then Domo ge generates sub module that is called type ensure. So let's say your module named car, and after Domo uh, works, uh, you have also in addition uh, car dot type ensure. And inside of this type ensure, all validation happens. And how it works in regards to your original car structure, Domo adds uh, functions to the car structure as well. 
It's a new function that is constructor function for the structure and validate type function that is for validation of the existing instance. So uh, there are also a couple of other uh, functions like uh, re- typed uh, fields and required fields that uh, returns the list of the fields of your structure that has uh, not new types, let's say. So that's useful in Actel uh, change sets. So uh, the first two, new and validate type functions, they just a facade for type insurer module. So when you call car.new and uh, keyword list with fields and values for these uh, fields, uh, the new function bypasses that after some checks uh, to type insurer module, type insurer module, do pattern matches, validate that all types of the values is as expected. Then run precondition functions associated with these types, uh, checking, okay, the format of these values is good, all invariants are fulfilled, and then returns back to the call side. So, and uh, it returns the constructor, the structure, basically. Uh, So that's how you can be sure that at the time of the call, when you get this structure back, it's valid structure, according to the type and preconditions defined. Uh, then, if you modify this structure, for example, alter a field uh, of the car, then you can uh, call again the validate type function with this modified instance. And the validate type function would do the same trip to the type insurer and back, giving you the answer, is it still okay structure, matching the type and preconditions, or no, you have this field incorrect because of this and that. So that's how it works, basically. Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. Okay, and what happened if I like have my car struck and I said use Domo? And then instead of that, I just define a module which is called type insurer. What would happen then? Like because then I oh. have a name clash, right? Yeah, sure. The behavior would be the same if as if you define type insurer twice. So okay. you can <laughs> do this by hand. And there are no any you know hidden things behind that. It's just simply a generation of the Elixir source code and compiling it with Elixir two times. So yeah, okay. I guess like one one thing Domo could do there is like generating. Like it, it, it in a different namespace, right? Like it could, for example, generate it in domo dot type insurer dot name of a module because then, mm-hmm. I mean, te- people could then still define a module which is called that way. But if they basically mm-hmm. mess with like another applic- another library's namespace, it's like their own fault, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, this nice idea, uh, let's see what can be done in this regard. And there is another scenario how to start using Domo. You may not even use all the functions that Domo adds to your structure. For example, let's say we have the car. And uh, if you even write use Domo inside the car, you already get some benefits. What I mean, during the compilation time, it would check the default values of your car structure these values that you usually define okay. with dev struct. And uh, during the compilation time, Domo already would validate uh, if these default values specified uh, conforms to the type and preconditions. Oh, okay. And uh, and if it's not, it would say, hmm, compile error. So you have these values not matching. That's and not. yeah. That's interesting. Even more, if, uh, for example, you have some connected structures, like one structure nested in another, and uh, you, let's say, car and uh, what can be inside of the car. Mm-hmm. Let's say uh, some seat. some a seat. Yeah, seat, and you know these seats with uh, leather or other materials. Some some. So we can imagine that for the seat, it can be a separate structure uh, defining all the parameters of the seat. Uh, I want a car with a blue seat, an orange seat, and two yellow seats. Yes. 
That's, yeah, for example. So uh, if you uh, give the default value of seats to the car, saying, okay, I would like orange uh, seat and blue and uh, put it into the dev struct of the car. And uh, if you use a DOMA function like seat.new, right? So mm-hmm. it would check uh, during the compilation time the validity of this default value. And uh, if, for example, you put into the C.new some invalid value by mistake, instead of orange uh, string, orange atom, and it wouldn't match the C type, uh, Domo will also give you back the compilation error saying, okay, mm-hmm. so you constructing the thing that is not uh, matching the type uh, as a default value. And this works uh, even in function calls. So if you pass this default value with domo.new to the function header definition, it will also be checked during the compile time. So how domo does that? It basically uh, tracks uh, the calls to .new that is generated by the DOM, obviously. And uh, then uh, during the compilation pass, it's just make a validation of these uh, fields okay but that, that sounds sounds helpful i mean I, i've not had a scenario where like my default values were as complex where i said okay i, I want to verify that but i don't make a mistake here but if you get yeah. them for free that's that's nice i guess yeah and uh, you know the software is all, all constantly evolving so um, and it may happen then for example at some point in time you change the type of uh, your structure and we're all humans so you can forget uh, to change the default value right and uh, that potentially could lead to mistakes and uh, domo uh, plays safe here so it gives you appropriate feedback really very early at compile time charles do you have any questions i've been talking quite i was a lot about to me. chime in i'm i'm more curious about like testing and performance yeah so uh, how, how does this affect any of that hmm. well I did some uh, synthetic tests so you can find the re- detailed results in the readme to the library what I've observed, uh, it's uh, 1.26 times slower than without library at runtime. So it looks like around uh, 30% slower work. Same time, uh, you get valid state of your application yeah, at this price. I guess it makes sense when you're like, I wouldn't probably use it in a scenario where we already know that uh, certain data is, is valid. Because then, I mean, why check in the first place, right? But if, if you are in a scenario where you say, okay, I am not uncertain that the data which I'm getting here is conforming to what I expect it to be, then sure, why not? I mean, mm-hmm. you can even write no validation at all, but which like works if the user yeah. was friendly enough to give you the right data. But <laughs> if, if, if they don't, then mm-hmm. it, it's going to go boom, right? So uh, Yeah. Yes, and it's not only user. Sometimes uh, the business logic can be quite sophisticated. And if, uh, of course, we have unit tests and cover all not happy but unhappy path as well. And same time, it can be that you can forget one or another combination of all parameters and having this uh, validated against the type can add additional let's say, can give you additional uh, insurance that uh, you will have valid state of your application. One thing, like, as Charles asked about testing, for example, I say, like, I let's go back to that example from earlier with the ID. And, uh, it's a string. It's supposed to start with in letter A. Like, I mean, how would I then go writing a test for that? Like, because, I mean, as we mentioned earlier, this is like a reusable type, right? Like a type mm-hmm. I, I right. can reuse in multiple places. I can see like how I would use reuse like the destruct, how I would test the, the struct definitions of Domo because then I can mm-hmm. just call dot new, right? Like uh, right. Say, okay, if it raises an error or if it returns an error tuple, then then it, it can like it fails or it's successful. Mm-hmm. But is there like an option to say, okay, I, I have this type over here and now I would write to write some tests because I also have some preconditions attached to that and I want to make mm-hmm. sure that I didn't well, make a mistake while writing these preconditions, right? Is yeah. that like an 
so like some 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 option to do that yeah so i remember one uh, talk in regards to that from kent back uh, about uh, what is right uh, size of unit that is under the test and i can say that for example in the test you can define a struct for test purposes that uses this uh, type definition and be sure that uh, this uh, precondition associated with this type uh, uh, working properly by calling this uh, you know test struct dot new yeah, okay. Uh, so this would be what what does it mean? It means that uh, you would test the interface and not internal implementation, right? So uh, the publicly available interface uh, provided by Domo is this uh, new function and validate type function. Okay, but but there's like no API where I can say, hey Domo, I'd like to use this type over there, and please check it, like check these values I give you, and now tell me. If, if that conforms, like basically it's kind of probably similar to what Norm does, right? But there's like no API to do that, I guess. Um, not I exactly. always have to go through like the, the, the motions of like specifying a struct. And then, I mean, either using a struct yeah. I already defined or specifying one if I want to, for example, test a remote type. Yeah, well, technically you can. So you can call type ensure modules that Domo generates for this kind of yeah, thing. So there is a public function uh, that is called. And on the other hand, uh, it's a question where uh, your interface is. So if... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess we're now entering some, some a certain level of philosophical uh, conversation. Like, what is a unit test? <laughs> what, what, is, what is the purpose of life? Uh, yeah, well, it's possible to do the unit testing with either new function or with calling uh, type ensure module directly. Yeah, but I, I can see why, like, calling type ensure module directly is something which probably should not be encouraged. I, I from from what you told me, I, it feels like it's more of a private API thing. So yeah, yeah, better not go there, I guess. So it's a quite simple thing. On the other hand, uh, if you would like to express uh, business rules, uh, it's another possible way to do that. So for me, it's also always a question um, to keep everything in place, especially when some parts of the business rules are shared across various parts of the application or even across several microservices. So maybe a bit of a hard question now. When is like a scenario where you would not use Domo? So is there like anything mm. say, okay, this is just not the right tool for the job? When should people maybe reach for something yeah. else or write custom code? Mm, yeah, so um, I think every tool should be used for appropriate problem. And uh, if it's high-performance application like maybe cryptocurrency where you have heavy calculations and every microsecond is on count, then maybe it's not right <laughs> a problem to use Domo for. On the other hand, if you have a business application like e-commerce website or uh, lots of business logic that should work correctly and uh, you can spend some time to get the answer to provide to users, then Domo could be a good choice. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what is any anything you see on the horizon for, for like Domo? Any next steps you'd like to take? Anything which is missing and you'd like to tackle? Or what, what comes next? Ah, yeah, so I'm looking forward for some large system to give this library a try because uh, all applications I work with of the uh, average size, so it's uh, kind of uh, uh, web shops or such kind of uh, websites. And I'm really interested to see how it would work on 100 microservices setups. Uh, so mm -hmm. uh, where you have lots of uh, components that should be play that should play nice to, uh, together. So and uh, very welcome for any such kind of uh, collaborations to run a test. 
on such uh, larger than average systems. Um, other plans are to add additional type checks to Domo, like uh, it checks all the standard types, but uh, that are defined uh, in the Elixir documentation. At the same time, it doesn't check types that referencing uh, itself uh, yet. So I mean uh, binary trees, recursive types, right? So I'd like to add support for that. It's not such uh, a usual scenario in business applications, but I intend to support this. I've Um, done this when I wanted to like have a representation of like a JSON, like an arbitrary JSON, because then you can say, okay, like a JSON value can be like a list, it can be an integer, it can be a string, but it can also again be an object which in turn uses values, which mm. <laughs> is then yeah. recursive by definition. So yeah, and, uh, I, I can see why, why that would be useful. Yeah, and uh, for many uh, for many such kind of definitions, Domo is working now. If you say, okay, this is part of JSON and uh, inside of this part of JSON, it would be the same part of JSON. So, you know, recursively, mm. then Domo wouldn't work. So, yeah. What happens when you do that? Does it raise an error? Or what, what yeah, yeah. It, uh, it raises an error that is not supported yet uh, okay but so no binary trees uh, for now sorry so <laughs> with leaves <laughs> and branches but it's uh, it's a question of uh, some further work on yeah. that it's also I mean it might just then explode the runtime complexity right because if you have a very large binary tree then Yes, but uh, sure. I guess that's that's always an issue. Sure, and uh, for example, if you have very long lists that uh, can be in your uh, structure, it also can be an issue. So yeah. this is natural limitation for Domo because it validates each list element uh, for conformance to the type. So uh, it should be considered uh, as well. Is there like some some smart inside of Domo, for example, when you say I, I've got a list of any, because then like there is no reason to check each element of a list if if you say it can be anything. Is there something like that built yet into Domo mm. or? Yeah, uh, in regards to lists, uh, no. Well, it's uh, so there, there are such kind of optimizations. If you say that some field is any, for example, it wouldn't be checked, so it would be a shortcut. Like okay, it's valid. And lists should be supported as well with uh, any uh, type inside. Yeah, so I intend to look up for other such kind of optimizations too. Yeah. Yeah, but but, but uh, I guess that, that goes into what you said earlier, like to see it used in a larger scale and then these kind of issues and optimization things are going to crop up naturally because you, you push the library to, to, the, to its limits. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Charles, do you have anything left? Because I'm I'm dried no, out. I think you pretty much covered it. Yeah, <laughs> a couple of the questions I was going to ask, and then you covered them. So, yeah, um, so uh, it may uh, seems a bit weird from the first uh, point of view, right? So attaching preconditions to types and sharing it here and there, but uh, on the other hand, uh, it's another view on the same problem of uh, having valid state and fulfilling invariants in your models. So. All right. Well, I'm going to push us toward picks. We can have a conversation about stuff that we like. Before we do that, though, Ivan, if people want to follow you on social media or connect on GitHub, how do they do that? You can follow me on GitHub. Uh, My username is Ivan Rublev. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter. Username is uh, Levy Brown. Mm. Maybe I should write it somewhere, folks, and you can add it to the description of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just put it in the chat and we'll... uh... All right, well, let's go ahead and do the picks. Hey, folks, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been working a lot on figuring out how to help people become the most valuable developers on their teams or becoming the top 5% of developers in the field. If you're looking to level up, figure out how to contribute more, get the career you want, get the career that you want that will support the lifestyle you want, then you should check out the Most Valuable Dev Summit. I've invited some of my friends across the community, people that you've heard of, people that have worked on systems that you use on a daily basis, people who have invented new ways of doing things over the years in programming, and I've asked them one question, and that question is, how do you become a top 5% developer? How do you become 1 in 20 
of the best developers out there. And so we're going to go ahead and have that conversation with them in interviews on the Most Valuable Dev Summit. And you can find that at summit.mostvaluable.dev. Sasha, do you have some picks for us? Yes, and it's actually related to what we talked about because, I mean, Ivan mentioned that he that a lot of his ideas are based on domain-driven design by, by Evan. True. I forgot his last name. Evan. Uh, Eric Evans. Eric Evans, yeah. Eric Evans, that, that was. And there's also another book, not from Eric Evans, but from from Scott Blushin, and that's called Domain Modeling Made Functional. And yeah, that's an amazing book. Yeah, it's very like, nice. One. Arguably, it's probably the best book I've read on domain-driven design. It's also relatively short, especially compared to Eric Evans' book, which is not short. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it, it, it we should see if a... we get Eric on. We had him on Ruby Rogue so a long oh, time ago. Nice. nice. Wow. Yeah, that, that would be pretty cool, to be honest. Uh, maybe you could also get Scott Blushin, although he's not an elixir dev. But yeah, uh, just to get back to the pick. So uh, the book is called Domain Modeling Made Functional. And it's, it's actually a nice introduction into both, like into domain-driven design and also functional programming. He's using F sharp there and he's like talking a lot about how to use the type system to basically help you restricting and like restricting things to what they should be to like basically avoid invalid state already on the type system level, which plays a bit into what we talked about today because I mean, Domo helps with like using the type definitions and yeah, like so enforcing it goes those. In that direction. Yeah. And yeah, it's like a really, really nice book. It's well written. It's, it didn't really bore me to death. There are some tech books which I just stopped reading at a certain point. And if anybody is interested in domain-driven design, is interested in functional programming and types, then I can really wholeheartedly recommend this book. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to throw out a couple of picks. Uh, the book I'm reading right now is I'm Still in the Middle of Rhythm of War by Brandon Sanderson. Really enjoying that fiction book, mm -hmm. fantasy book. I have another pick, but I'm kind of saving it for last. There was something else we are going to pick, and I can't remember. I guess I'll just go to this last one because I'm excited about it. So I've been doing a whole bunch of work lately around the idea of top-end devs. You all, if you listen to devchat.tv and are uh, you know, subscribed to the mailing list and stuff like that, you're going to start seeing a whole lot more stuff uh, branded with top-end devs instead of devchat.tv because uh, mm -hmm. we're kind of moving everything over to that, mainly because I want to communicate to people that, hey, look, if you put in some effort, we talked a lot about this uh, last week with Adi. Adi and I talked about this. But you can take your career wherever you want it. And I am committed to to that idea. And so I want to... Because devchat.tv doesn't... Devchat doesn't... It doesn't really mean anything. You know, the idea was, is, hey, we talked about dev, right? But this is kind of more of a higher idea, an aspirational idea. One of the things that I'm doing, and I can't remember if I brought this up last time, and so I'm going to just throw it out here so you all can show up if you need it. But one of the things that I've really picked up lately is is the coaching, right? I've, I've just loved helping people figure out, hey, what do I do next? What do I need to learn? What do I need to work on to grow into what I want, what do I want to be? And as I've been doing that, it just it just fires me up. I mean, I had a conversation with somebody on Friday and you know, he's trying to figure out where to go next, right? And we talked about all kinds of stuff. And at the end of the call, you know, it's like, hey, you know, go do this stuff. Let's talk in a couple of weeks, right? And yeah. holy cow, it's it's just seeing the potential of what he can do and and the power behind what he can accomplish. That I, it just gets me going, right? And there are some things that everybody can do. And then there are some things that if, as we get into the particulars of your situation, you can do, right? And that's kind of the difference, I guess, between like a course and coaching or training and coaching. And so what I'm doing is I'm kind of splitting the difference between both. And so I'm using Zoom's webinar system, but it's not a webinar, right? Webinar is I give you half the information that, that's useful, leave you hanging, and then give you a sales pitch. I'm not doing any of that crap, okay? That's, I'm not doing a webinar. But I am going to do training. So I'm going to do like 10 or 15 minutes of training. And then for the, the rest of the hour, hour and a half that I have, I'm planning on doing this Wednesdays around noon, mountain time. I'm just going to take questions, okay? And not take questions in the sense of, you know, what, 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 how do, how do strings work in Elixir? No, it's not that kind of stuff, right? If I, if you have that question and I can answer it, you can ask it right and I'll try and answer it. But what I'm really looking to dive into is, hey, I've gotten this far in my career or, hey, I'm trying to figure this stuff out or, hey, I've got this situation at work or I'm trying to find a job and I'm not getting interviews or 
things are going really well, but I feel like I could do more. What should I be doing next? And then we'll actually talk through your situation, right? Talk through where you're at and figure out where things should go, right? So it's going to be almost more coaching than Q&A, but we'll just do it until we run out of time, run out of questions, whatever, right? And I really just want to help people out. So it's totally free, right? No no com- commitment, no whatever. I'm not going to do a sales pitch, right? And try and sell you on coaching. Nothing like that, right? I am offering paid coaching, but I'm not going to try and sell anybody on that on these calls, right? It's completely free, completely, you know, whatever. So all you have to do is just go to devchat.tv slash level up. I think you have to put your email address in so that the Zoom system can send you the link to the webinar software. And then from there, you're in, right? And yeah, just show up, uh, jump on the call, and we'll answer as many questions as you want. And if we don't get to you, then show up the next week, right? Because we're going to do it every week. And yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to helping some folks out. Like I said, this is the stuff that really just makes me feel like I'm making a difference myself, right? And then, yeah, you know, if, if it turns into a kind of a, a deeper relationship and we wind up doing coaching, then great. And if I kind of get you there in 20 minutes, then great. Then you got there in 20 minutes and you can come back when you get stuck again or you need more guidance. All right. So that's kind of what I'm looking at. And I'm really hoping that I can help some folks out. So devchat.tv slash level up. That's my other pick. Ivan, what are your picks? Okay. My pick uh, for today is book uh, called uh, Microservices in Action by Morgan Bruce and Paul Pereira. It's a very nice and laconic uh, book about building microservices in the right way. So yeah, you can recommend it. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap up. Thanks for coming. This was fun. Thanks a lot, folks. Uh, it was a very nice discussion about types and uh, the library. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, and if you're interested in types, like check out our episode with like the Gleam author, Lewis. Oh, yeah. Two weeks that ago. Fun that, that was fun, too. Yes. Yes. Gleam is very nice. Uh, initially, very nice, too. Yeah, we had him two, two weeks ago on the show. That was pretty cool. Yeah, Louis. Cool. Yeah, it was good stuff. All right. Well, till next time, folks. Max out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.